yes, you can go hire someone cheap, but that doesn't mean they're good. And, you know, as a social media freelancer, you should be aware of those things going into business and working with brands. Hey guys, I'm Izzy Sapien, a seasoned brand builder in the most elusive and mysterious industry on earth, the glamorous beauty industry. And I'm on a mission to make beauty a better place, starting with this podcast. I've worked in the marketing departments of several major beauty brands and helped build a number of emerging brands from zero to millions. Each week, I'll break down the details of some of beauty's most notorious and untold scandals of today, along with my own personal experiences. But most importantly, my whole reason for doing this podcast is to highlight the beauty and wellness brands, influencers, and trailblazers who are doing it right and deserve a piece of the spotlight. Not to be mistaken for a cancel culture reboot, this well-intentioned tell-all aims to create a space for growth in beauty. I hope you'll join me every week for honest and stripped down conversations. After all, it's growth that's a thing of beauty. Hey guys, welcome back to A Thing of Beauty. I'm Izzy Sapien. If this is your first episode here, I strongly recommend you follow me on Instagram at Izzy Sapien and check out thingofbeautypodcast.com. There are new episodes every Tuesday. Shannon is here with me today and she's not only a terrific friend, she's an incredibly knowledgeable marketer. We actually went to the same college. We've worked with a lot of the same clients, but Shannon helps lifestyle, beauty, and other businesses cultivate a social media strategy in 2022, which if you're a business owner or brand or even influencer trying to get any traction in the industry right now, you know how difficult it is when you throw in TikTok Gen Z, and then you're trying to like juggle all the hats of being an entrepreneur, it's nearly impossible. She's also someone I really admire from a uh, personal standpoint. She's built such a lucrative career beginning as a freelancer. And we had this amazing relationship where we were sort of holding each other's hand and building each other up, even though we were in technically competing agencies, we were able to find this amazing rhythm together and lift each other up, which I think is so great for women to do in the freelance industry or just as boutique agency owners in general. And I'm just so excited to have her here today because she's also fucking hilarious. Let's just jump right in. start with your backstory, how you got here. Shannon at this point owns a pretty successful agency, but she started as a freelancer around the time that I did. And we were pretty young in the freelance market. And I would say that the beginning of our careers, we spent a lot of time doing trade work, (laughs) free work, trade work, anything of the like. Why don't you start there at the beginning? Yeah. So I think, I mean, how I got started in like social media is my dad was running for some district, something, Tempe Union High School district board. And he kind of asked me to help with the campaign. And we did a lot of social media that way. And that kind of sprung into a lot of businesses asking 
for us to do that for them or me, myself. So it started with me in my dorm room (laughs) doing social media for a lot of businesses, just really small in college. And then from there, I grew a lot of contacts through college, just meeting people still interning while I was freelancing and building a company. And then, you know, once I graduated, we had a pretty solid base of consistent clientele, but that doesn't mean that they're great clientele by any means. It's kind of how you start as a freelancer, but it was a lot of learning on your own. I mean, I know you go to college and I studied digital marketing, but that doesn't mean per se that I came out with a job. I mean, I did, I was, I had a job, but it was just honestly, like I loved social media at the time. It was still pretty new for businesses and getting them on a platform to spread their brand was really fun for me. And then in the midst of it, I got to work with a lot of cool clients, cool companies, and it just grew from there with making connections, honestly, more than anything. I feel like that brings up such an interesting point about starting when social media was beginning to be like a brand building platform. Okay. You probably remember we would be in like high school and you'd have to submit which high school you went to, to even be on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't for (laughs) building a business or anything yet. And I remember Instagram, God forbid people can access like old photos that have been deleted or whatever. With the original filters and And the original filters. I'll just leave it out. I'll never be able to run for president. Like that's for sure. And so with social media, there's so many pieces now that didn't exist before, but it's even bigger now. Like, I feel like TikTok, you always think something changes the game. Like it was YouTube and then it was Instagram and now it's TikTok. And how can you really successfully kick off a career in any platform? And does it matter where you start? Yeah, I mean, I think especially even in this past year with TikTok emerging to be what it really is, you see a lot of individuals that let's say they weren't necessarily content creators in a way, but they are growing their TikTok while simultaneously growing their Instagram. And so becoming, you know, a social media freelancer or even just a content creator, I know a lot of people say like, well, you know, you're a little late to the game now for Instagram, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think, you know, it's definitely having a passion for whatever content you're producing, if you're doing it for yourself. And then if you're working with clients, still being passionate about the platform. I think being able to, as much as you can, be ahead of the trends or on the pulse of what's happening and what content is doing well in that space and how to create it in a way that mirrors your clients' brands or that's relevant to them. Because I think You see TikTok and I even bring it up to clients. We need to be making video. We need to do short form content. And they just think of TikTok as this place of dance videos and, you know, all of that where it's, that's not the case. I mean, that platform in itself has, has gone above and beyond expectations, but I think really just focusing on having a love for the platform or, you know, if you're a content creator, having a love for, for the content that you're putting out there and and it's in his work, you know, it's not just, I know people give influencers a bad rap or whatever it may be, but it's time consuming. So you got, you got to love what you're doing with it for sure. It's so time consuming. And I feel like there are a lot of unspoken rules. Like when you're saying using TikTok to build your Instagram, I feel like sometimes you're like, well, don't repost the reel that you post on TikTok on Instagram because it has a TikTok logo or Instagram knows it's TikTok, whatever. Like, I feel like there's so many unspoken rules, which is a great reason to hire a professional for starters. But two, I mean, I think with freelancers, like the benefit to a lot of brands is that they're less expensive and they often 
can do more unique things. I would say even with small agencies, like, oh yeah, I feel like you and I worked on a lot of projects where we did stuff where if I'd been in a bigger agency, I'd have been like, fuck, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah, or it wouldn't have happened. They have other projects to be working on, but that is a good point with influencer or freelancers that they do have the time to be a little bit more unique and even dedicate more time. And they're not going to be as expensive initially, you know, obviously as they grow, but freelancers are a great place to start for your small business or even, you know, a larger brand that doesn't want to have something in-house, you know, working with someone that can be dedicated to reels or, you know, TikTok or, you know, your graphic designer or whatever it is, but definitely being able to spend time on it. I think that that's what maybe larger agencies lack because if they're trying to be everything for that brand, they don't have the time to make 20 reels for the month or whatever you're trying to produce. It's just at the bottom of their list. No, a hundred percent. I think when you're starting in a freelance career, because I want to circle back on that, I really want people to be able to take away from this first part how you can build a lucrative freelance career. I think it starts with being able to connect with other freelancers. Mm -hmm. You might not know this, Shannon might not know this, but she opened the door for some projects for me. I put her on some projects that I was working on. And I feel like one of the toughest parts of freelancing is like one, doing everything on your own, but also finding people that you work well with Mm -hmm. is really hard because you don't have a big team and you don't really connect with other people other than brands. So like how you can start finding people that are in your niche or that are sort of like a counterpart to what you do in the freelance community. Like as a social media manager, if I wanted to be a freelancer, who would be the good people to connect with? Well, yeah, I mean, you a hundred percent was perfect person for me because you did everything. <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing that. Izzy, I say I should not have been doing it. Izzy did everything. <laughs> but I mean, especially with like the email mark, I mean, I was just blown away from the beginning with your knowledge of just everything in marketing wise, but especially like with email marketing and SMS and KPIs and ads and everything like that. But I think one thing as a social media manager, marketer, as a freelancer, that is your niche, right? Like you need to hone in on that and not try to be everything. Like you're saying, not, you're not a graphic designer. You're not a website designer, you know, like I'm sure you could set up an email funnel, but is it going to be the best results for your clients? No, it's not. And I think internally having that conversation and acknowledging that, and then positioning yourself to meet and connect with other freelancers a hundred percent. And, and it can be daunting or even like in a way you may think it's competitive because like they're your competitors, but they're not. It's something to think about for sure. Cause I, I always had those not thoughts with you, but like other people that were maybe were doing social media marketing. Yeah. And even though they were doing it, they could have been focused on LinkedIn or something completely yeah. different than me. So always be willing to make connections and putting yourself out there that will grow your business a hundred percent. I mean, I would have, wouldn't have had the opportunities I had without you with a lot of, you know, the clients. I'm the same way. I'm so surprised that Shannon's saying this guys, because <laughs> Shannon was like the person I was jealous of. Like I've always gravitated towards the analytical side of marketing because I have no creative talent. Creativity is a talent, right? Analytical stuff is a skill you can learn. Like if you can be good at math, you can be good at. Oh, which I'm not good the at analytical math. side of marketing. <laughs> but if you suck at art, you can never be a good graphic designer. You can, like they're not interchangeable. And so I think having that opposite was incredibly helpful. Like I could always depend on Shannon for something that was artistic, even though she was just great at social media. She was also really good. Like if there was photography that we needed, if there was design we needed, like I could always depend that she had an artistic eye for the brand which I think a lot of 
marketers doing everything just don't fucking get at all. Like, well, and it's it's just not going to work in the long run. Your clients, you're going to piss off your clients or, you know, you're not going to get the results. Which result. you're going to do anyway. <laughs> yeah, which, which you will do anyway. But no, it's just not going to be good in the long run. It's And I learned that too. I mean, I think in the beginning of my freelance, I was trying not to do everything, but kind of. I was trying to be that person. And at the end of the day, I mean, having someone like Izzy just say, hey, I don't know this. Like you're better off doing this because you're an expert in this was, I mean, the best thing ever because it just took it off my plate and it built connections, built relationships. I mean, it was amazing. And so it's like, if you're not taking advantage of lucrative freelance partners, whatever you want to call it, it's a shame because it's a lonely industry doing it on your own as a freelancer. It's, I it's a lot. I love that. That's going to be the best quote, Nikki. I love that so much. <laughs> it really is. It's so lonely. And going back to the part about collaboration and competition, that has been such a big problem amongst women forever because women are so used to being in positions underneath men and fighting for very, very few C-suite positions, decent jobs. So it, it gets worse when you're looking at industries like beauty and fashion. You know, it's 70% made of women. There was like a study done in digital beauty, but the majority of C-suite and executive positions are still held by men. And interestingly, and I didn't know this, but it makes a lot of sense, marketing in general, this, the workforce is 70% women. So you do deal with a lot on a daily basis of if I connect with so-and-so, is she possibly going to take this piece mm. of the project from yeah. me? You know, like she might be better at it. She also might resonate more with the brand or the you know, team that's in place. And that's really, really hard. We talk about this a lot in the first episode Shannon might not know this, but L'Oreal has a history of being a hyper-competitive place to work with a lot of toxic (laughs) underlying (laughs) racism and sexism. It's actually a really tough place. But I think with freelancers, I think you're so right when you talk about how important it is to be able to connect with them and how you can find a way to connect with them where you don't feel like I'm in competition with so-and-so and that both of us can open doors for each other, which is just amazing. So we kind of talked about what the critical relationships a freelance, you know, social media manager should have in today's landscape. But when we're moving into the landscape and sort of talking about trends, I want to look at brands, you know, beauty brands and lifestyle brands specifically, because that's the niche that a lot of those listeners are, but also a lot of the projects Shannon and I have worked on in the past. And they're really fun from a social media perspective. You can build a lot of awareness and you can build a huge community in a lifestyle brand. Sometimes in B2B, but more so when you're building a lifestyle brand, can you build something? So what do you think people should know about today's landscape and social media? I mean, it's really the toughest place to work right now because Mm -hmm. it's so customer facing. Yeah, we've seen, and you're always going to hear this, we've seen a lot of changes this year, you know, like in social, (laughs) there's always changes. There's, I mean, every, I mean, every day there's changes, but I think looking forward in 2022, especially, it's the connection with the consumer. It's always going to be that. I think Izzy and I were talking, it's less focused on lead generation or selling or whatever, you know, the client may have in mind, but it is building that authentic audience and being able to connect with them in whatever way you can, whether that be the short form content, using influencers, a lot of that is here to stay, like videos, influencer marketing, and it's less about sales. And I think that there are still so many brands that, yes, at the end of the day, you're going to push a product, you know, if you're a D2C sure. brand, but sure. doing it in a way that's not so much salesy and just focusing on engagement more. I mean, my personally, like our strategy with our clients 
moving forward is a lot more heavy on engagement and not producing as much content, Ooh. producing content that's high quality. So, you know, whether that be videos or working with influencers and spending the time developing those connections, but engaging with the community more. Just because in the end, they're going to be your champions. They're going to be, you know, if you have a new product, have a new launch, whatever it is, or just talking about the brand in general but definitely more focused on engagement. You can Google what the trends are for 2022. It's, it's a lot of video. I mean, TikTok has kind of changed pretty much how Instagram we saw in the past, a lot of UGC, user-generated yeah. content, really raw and authentic. And that continues in TikTok, but a little bit, you know, a little bit more. People are, you know, there's, it's a no filter world, basically. Yeah. There's no don't have to worry about curated feeds anymore. You know, people want to go to your feed and see a mixed match of anything and everything, but what they want to see is more. Just no. <laughs> but what they, what no one get in my way. <laughs> but I think what people want to see is that, you know, you're just engaging with clientele and an audience and in a real way. And I love that you bring this up because I think it's still something there's obviously like a ton of new brands in the lifestyle sector. There always will be new ones coming in, but a lot of the pre-existing ones, like I still look at their shit. Like they never come up in my feed anymore. So mm. that means that they're like shitty by way of the algorithm. Right. Yeah. And like, they're so overly curated. Like I'll look at some of them and I'll be like, why does everything here seem fake? Oh you know yeah. I mean? Like it feels it's like this is too made perfect. Up. Yeah. It's too perfect. No. Well, you look at like, some brands that I think like are really, really like killing it. Like you have big brands and the big brands are going to be the overly curated ones, but you have sure. brands like Set Active or, you know, honestly like Set Active and like Talentless, even though they're like Talentless. overly curated, they... Is that Scott Disick? Yeah. yeah. I love that brand. Do you? Yes. Well, this, I haven't bought anything yet. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the brand. Well, and so well, that brings up a really interesting point. I want to talk about Scott Disick because Scott Disick is bae, but also, <laughs> I, you know, I read this study that said, because so many people like right now, I think when we're talking about analytical marketing, there's too many marketers who are trying to figure out like, what's the ROI of social mm, media. Yeah. Okay. Like let's not do that. Cause you're going to waste a fucking shitload of time that you could be actually working on marketing, <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out the value of marketing. And two, it's like, I read a study that says for every person that comments a positive thing on your brand, social media, they probably told five people about it, right. which is huge. Yeah. Like, I mean, to have a referral coefficient of five people, I mean, that's essentially like if you have multiple children, it's like a whole household, right? Like you're essentially building your own community by just having people say positive things about your brand. It's like spending less time. And those obviously wouldn't funnel if we're talking about Google analytics or like attribution. It would never show up in social media because there's someone who heard about it. Right. Word of mouth referral. Okay. So Scott Disney, because (laughs) when I saw this brand, I feel like Shannon, you guys haven't seen her style. Like before I was on my way here and she was like, Oh, is this going to be on video? And I was like, first of all, Shannon's one of the most beautiful people ever. So it's like, I'm not sitting next to you. You can be on video, but I don't want to sit next to you. No, (laughs) but she has this really cool minimalist style. Like she's one of those people who actually has a million neutral sets and like pairs them separate ways. And they always look like new outfits. Like this is the type of person that she is. But when I saw Talentless, because I always say, I wish I had more neutrals. Yeah. Uh, of course, as I'm saying it, like fucking Facebook gods, like raining down. Like, I know, right? Really my as soon as you walk out of here, you're going to have an ad for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw it. And then later it says in the bio, like 
by Scott Disick or whatever, or yeah. let the Lord be with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no fucking way. Did you not know that before? No, I didn't know that. I didn't no know that. No way, yeah. I was actually going to buy it as a consumer yeah. of minimalist, I guess, kind of streetwear, like right. LA-style streetwear. But no, yeah, I mean, back to that. What do you like about the brand? Because obviously they're doing social media because that's yeah. how I discovered them. <laughs> well, I think them and Set Active, obviously they have influencers. They're big on the community, but they use the engagement features on Instagram, such as polls and questions and all that kind of stuff to determine like their next set colors or like what they want to see, which I think kind of takes it to the next level of consumer control. It's yeah. like, okay, I mean, it's great. And it's stupid that more brands aren't using that as a way to direct what they're going to sell. Because one, you already know that they're like it. It's free market research tool. So I love that they're doing that and just really taking the community to the next level. They're cool. I really love Talentless. And, and I feel like Active does a good amount of that too. But I mean, I'm a big fan of anything minimalist. Yeah, <laughs> no, you guys, so. I'm not even kidding. She's wearing like a double set. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you what she's wearing because she looks fucking great and whatever. It's no. so annoying, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't even get started on it. It's going to put me in a fucking straight jacket. <laughs> Talking about building community, I think, leads into one of the most important things. So Shan and I were both working as freelancers. We were actually at a pretty successful point in the career when social media was in the shit storm of life. I mean, there were so many things going on. And so it became a really, not crazy, because I feel like crazy has a negative connotation, but a cultural reckoning will go with of truth. Like you can't really lie anymore with social media Mm -hmm. because one, people are saying things to other people, there's evidence. And two, people kind of know everything about what your brand is doing and what it stands for. How much should your brand speak to the social and cultural landscape? Like, I yeah. think for some people, it was like, this is kind of like off-brand for you to talk about, right. but it's not fair for you to not talk about it, right? right? Like, Well, and I think that that is the first time that we've seen that. I mean, amidst BLM, COVID, all of that, people were like, like you're saying, it's like, well, it's not good to not talk about it, but why are you talking about it? This is weird. (laughs) And so I think now as brands, I mean, hopefully everyone's kind of been able to take a step back. I think initially like reevaluating who you are as a brand, your mission statement, what you stand for, because that's going to gear what type of content. And then, then you can be able to talk and start putting out content maybe slowly. But I think it at the end of the day needs to align with your mission, with your values. You know, if you're in clean beauty and you focus on on that and, and so much, so many words and, you know, continue to push green, eco-friendly, I'm not as well-versed in that clean, yeah, but eco-friendly like, is the new hot one. And like, and that's like, that's like such a part of it, right? It's like, Thing you're doing it, but actually, also but actually, it. that's the thing. And I think that everyone just kind of jumped on this bandwagon of like, yeah. oh yeah, like we support that too. Like, yeah. I mean, as a but human, how? yeah, but how? <laughs> but it's like as a human, yeah, you probably you're if you're a good-hearted person, you probably support this. <laughs> yeah, like, you're probably not racist, yeah. Hopefully. But in reality, some of the things that we're doing that they didn't realize they were doing kind of were racist, and, yeah, and shitty. But this study by Deloitte said that, especially with millennials, it starts with millennials. I don't even want to get into Gen Z because it's, (laughs) to me, I I feel like a boomer when I say this. Like, I'm like, I don't even want to get in their shit because it's like so full of shit. And like, they're very self-aware. Yeah. They will like rain fire on you. Like, I'm afraid of them. (laughs) There are times where I'm not any cool, popular person. And like, I'll say something on social media and just a comment to my friend. I'm like, no, I need to delete this. I don't even know how it's going to be taken. Like, it's not, it's not funny. Like, whatever. Like, 
it's like a new level, which is great. Moving towards a positive place in society is always great, but it makes it so hard to be a business, right? Like Mm -hmm. people take anything you say kind of the way they want to take it. Yes. And things spiral really quick. Like people get, I actually have had two clients now from the past be canceled, which is crazy. One deservingly. (laughs) (laughs) One was definitely deserved. You know, but the other one, I feel like there was a lot of miscommunications and people came from this era, especially in beauty, where it was like the founder was the brand, you know, quote unquote, like I am the brand. So the things I stand for are the brand. And now it's like, okay, no, there's you. And then there's the brand and the brand needs to be held to a higher standard than you as a person. Cause you as a person can make mistakes. The brand, there's 10 people on this board. There should be no cultural missteps going on here. But what do you do if your brand like not just gets canceled, but I mean, I'm sure you've worked somewhere where you've gotten like really negative comments, oh, yeah. or like scary DMs. Like, what do you do? Especially if people can see it. Right. Well, I think, yeah, especially with the comments at first, like do not delete it. The first thing, cause we live in a world of screenshots and, and all of that, like <laughs> that, right that'll come right back. So I think it's one, you need to have a strong communications. Like if you're the social media manager as an influencer or as a freelancer, you need to have that conversation upfront. I think that that's something, especially in today's day and age, this is our plan for if something you know negative happens, if we have bad comments, that. and then having that conversation around you know diversity and inclusion and all of that as well early on. Because when you get to that point, not saying it's gonna happen, but it might, and you know it's not out of character for it not to happen. But never delete comments. I think that that's something that people just go to because it's like, oh, it's the easy thing. It's not there. But I think having like a roadmap of how you'd go about it. Communications and PR is so important. And obviously like as a social media freelancer, you're not a PR person, but I think whether the brand works with PR in some way or develop some sort of plan, have a clear communications guideline of how you would address negative comments. Even you'll see negative comments like separate from social media, but like on Yelp, like a restaurant you go to. And most of the time you'll see them direct. You want to get that conversation offline as quickly as possible because that, yeah, that will mitigate again, screenshots that'll mitigate any like negative press that you'll get. You want to get it offline. That'll be frustrating. But, and then the next thing is obviously like bring it to the brand. Obviously they need to be aware of what's happening and that their audience is voicing concerns and that they need to take action in some sort of direction or reroute their messaging, whatever it may be. But as much as you can take it offline, don't delete comments. Those are just, you know, surefire ways of getting canceled or getting in worse trouble than you probably already are. That's such a good tip. I mean, that's exactly why not all marketers are the same because I would delete that shit. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't want to wake up every day and see this negativity in my life is hard enough. I don't need this. But yeah, I mean, I think that that has been a huge source of a poor response, right? Like we do something fucked up. I mean, I'm thinking about like that influencer Maggie Carey with this thing. I think it's called Juvie's Place. I've never actually heard of this beauty brand, but she said in a video, like she's putting on her makeup and she's doing winged eyeliner. And I'm not going to use the phrase, but like an offensive word for Asian eyes. And she was like, oh, we're going to do the no way, whatever look. And so then like people were like, you know, commenting, whatever, like, right. Of course, like they will. Cause like people see that shit and then they like deleted it. And then people were like, we know you deleted it. And then it made it worse. Cause it was like, not only are you guys racist, now you're liars. Right. <laughs> it, well, so you, you see it all the time. I mean, even not just like brands themselves, you see influencers doing stupid oh, wow. things nowadays and they'll just delete the video. Like people didn't see it or whatever it is. And 
trust me, even if you are nobody, somebody probably saw it, you know, and so it's just trace your steps back, correct that action, whatever it may be. (laughs) Deleting is not the answer. I think that that's really good. And then too, like, I feel like it brings out the weirdos. Like some people like, oh, like that's not offensive or whatever. And then you'll be like, okay, it's racist. racist, It's that consumer of the brand. Yes. No one. Then they'll have like arguments in the comments. Honestly, at that point, I just let them go. There are some crazy people out there and it's out of control. I mean, that's what makes like, I feel like good social media marketers, like you're saying, there's such a heavy PR communication portion to it, but they're so hard to find. Like you can find anybody who's going to post on Instagram. Like, oh, right? yeah. like, you know, actually my cousin runs our Instagram, or whatever. Like, okay. Yeah, I know. It shows. <laughs> I know because it shows. You can get that with anybody, but they're like, there's truly a reason when you're building a brand and creating a brand voice, especially in today's landscape where diversity, inclusion, and community, all those things are going to be static pillars of the yes. brand forever. Forever. And it's, if you're not working with somebody that acknowledges that upfront, that that's something that's important. You know, yes, you can go hire someone cheap, but that doesn't mean they're good. And, you know, as a social media freelancer, you should be aware of those things going into business and working with brands, knowing, you know, what their values are, knowing about diversity and inclusion. I mean, not just knowing about it, but knowing how to direct it. Obviously, you're not like the brand's spokesperson, but you kind of are in a way if you're managing the social media. So being able to navigate that and do it with grace is such an underrated tool. I think, yeah, like you're saying, everyone kind of Everyone says, well, yeah, I can just get, you know, someone over there to post. And honestly, if they, more power to them, if they want to go, yeah, <laughs> someone like, that's totally cool for me. You're so right. To do it with grace is tough. Like Shannon knows, because we work together on a lot of projects. I'm a very hot-headed individual. Someone can send me one email and be like, I'm just not sure about, and I'm like, okay, well, then you're fired. <laughs> if you don't like my work, you're fired. And so being able to handle that, like, I think marketers in general, I know I have such a, like, attachment to the way marketers get treated because I've been in marketing for so long, but it's always like every comment you'll see is like, it's all marketing or like this marketing or like whatever, or like what were the marketers thinking? And I'm just like, guys fucking for real right now. Like you think we all sit around the room and we're like defining everything about the brand and no one else is a part of it. Like that's like a little crazy to me. And so the fact that not only do we have to do all this stuff and then we have to take credit if it fails, right? right. Like it's, obviously we all thought of these headlines and this is the brand story and maybe I conveyed it this way, but everybody thought well, this didn't come off time, well. Yeah, and half the time it's like, it's even been passed down to you. Like oh, it's yeah. not even your ideas. You're just like working <laughs> with what you this. got. Yeah, yeah. exactly, so exactly. Like, but you still get shit for it or, you know. No, 100%. And it goes everywhere. Like people will be like, you know, like with model selection, I feel like that was such a big part of like last year. It's like, none of the models are diverse. They're not inclusive. They're not one size fits all kind right. of people. And it was like, cause the marketing and branding here fucking sucks. And I'm like, what? you think I'm sitting around looking at photos <laughs> of models. I'm choosing all the models for this fucking shit. I don't know anything about people who are going to participate. I get a finished photo. Right. And I'm told this is the selection exactly. that we're going with. <laughs> like, so make that's it work. All. That's yeah, all. That's it. And so I think it's definitely like, What's so critical when we're talking about the consumer side of holding brands accountable is that even if it's going to be directed at us and we're going to be the punching bag or whatever, like that information does go somewhere to somebody who can see it, especially if PR companies pick it up. They're like, so-and-so got in trouble on Instagram, like whatever, like that becomes real and it becomes a conversation that 
people in, you know, real positions will change and they'll take into account. But looking at the reverse side, because I think that's important. You know, one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast is like, Shan and I worked on so many projects. I worked on tons of projects in beauty. And I think there's this like performative side of who my brand is, right? But then there's like the internal, like we're a good brand funded by good people and our mission is good. How do you think consumers are even, and if they are, I don't know if they are able to tell the difference. Like, can you look at a brand and be like, "Mm, is this like really a good brand? Is it kind of a good brand? Like, yeah. Sometimes it appears to be, but it can be performative. Right. And I think, I mean, it can be hard to tell, honestly, because you'll have these brands that do come about that showcase that they're for sustainability, you know, like you're saying, good people, all that kind of stuff, where in the end, the C-suite or whatever it is, they're the bad apples of the bunch. But I think, honestly, you'll be able to see it come through. I think it's easier to see authenticity then to determine if it's, you know, not authentic. And in that way, you can probably figure out kind of which companies are less good. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you can really see authenticity in brands, especially like on social, in their messaging, because they will go out of their way to connect with the consumer and rely on them and create something that they want. And I think that you can see that. That's such a beautiful nugget of information. Like you can tell if they're really open to having the conversation. When you were talking about market research, like basically like crowdsourcing, you know, products and product changes and product updates, like I feel like there's been so many times where they've been like, let's crowdsource something. And then when you give them the answer of what people want, they're like, but we're not no, going to do yeah. that. <laughs> so it's like, why even do that? No, you have to, you have to lean into it. And I mean, obviously like these brands, the ones that I, you know, gave the examples for, they have a large audience. So yeah. if you're kind of crowdsourcing with, you know, a couple hundred followers may not be, yeah, don't, don't let, <laughs> do everything is best. Yeah. <laughs> don't let that direct your the business. The crowd gave me exactly what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, lean into to what they want to see, not only obviously like what this is with their products, but you know, like what types of content they want to see. They may not want to see the curated, pretty, perfect pictures and pretty, perfect models. They may want to see the founder's day in the life and, you know, talking about what the company means and sharing, you know, a bunch of memes or whatever it may be. Each brand is different. Yeah, dude, memes. There should be no brands not producing memes. Like, I'm sorry, but like, this is the shit that I love. Well, you know, meme videos are in now. Have you seen what that? is a meme video? So it's basically like, it's still a meme photo, but they just turn it into like real. So they just make it like a static video. Oh, I feel like, you know, when your friends like send you yeah. that, I feel like I've been sent a couple of those. Well, it frustrates me because it's like video over. I'm like, I didn't even see the meme. It's like, <laughs> close that. I like get so frustrated. But like, it's like, I guess, and I think it'll be like elongated more to like actual videos made into yeah. memes this year. But uh, that's a big thing. Anyway. I still, I mean like reels, like, I love reels. I mean, I'm really getting into TikTok yeah. lately. Oh, you're good. Only because I like <laughs> I like reels. So everyone was like, you're going to love TikTok. And you love reels because reels is just ripped off from oh, TikTok. Wait, have you not been on TikTok? Like, No. <gasps> I never. So like my sister is like the queen of like, if you're not on this platform, I'm going to send you the link, right? Mm-hmm. Like in text message. And so like our whole chain is just like TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And then finally I'm like, okay, I need to sign up for this because I do love reels. Like the sound bite things yeah. and everyone turning into stuff is just like so funny. I think the best yeah. place on earth. Like I don't care what anyone says about social media. I love social media. It's yeah. fucking fun. And well, that's the thing. Like you look at the content that you consume, like as a social media freelancer or whatever you're doing, like look at the content you consume. Do you like the content that you're creating and putting out? Dude, that's probably so true. not. You know, reels and TikTok, all of that. It's fun. It's I'm so not fun. good at 
for myself creating it. Like, it's just, it, I mean, you're right. Like talking about like, if you were going to DIY, like, I mean, it's a fucking full-time job. Yeah. Like if you were someone who wanted to do like, I'm going to create a reel every day. Okay. That's like two hours out of every I day know. of every week. I got a ring light. Oh, I was like, I'm going to try. Oh, but ring lights. I mean, I'm sorry. If there's a tool that everyone should own, <laughs> like get a fucking ring light. It's so good. It holds your iPhone up for you. You look great. And just like pro tips. Like if you turn off the lights in the room, then you don't have that like shitty shadow yeah. on your face. Like, Oh, I should have asked for a photography tip. Shan's also like a great photographer. She's <laughs> shot in like big magazines over here. She's like being really modest. But what else? Okay, so we're talking about trends in social media. What else are we looking at for 2022? I feel like, I know people say like, this is the ultimate list of trends or whatever, but I don't see anything that big. I think you'll definitely see this big, still these short videos. Short form content is not going anywhere. And it's, but you'll still see like reels and even TikTok, they've introduced like reels can now go up to a minute. TikTok now is up to three minutes. So they have a little bit longer form content, but I think video, which people have been saying for years, honestly, for like the past two or three years, video content is king. And like, yeah, but which, you know, it's been kind of back and forth, but honestly, if you're not doing video right now, your brand, it's not going to go anywhere. Like people aren't looking at images static images as much as a video. They love to engage with that. So, I mean, definitely focus on learning reels. If you don't know reels and TikTok, it's exhausting and it kind of takes time to learn, but honestly invest in spending time doing it. I heard someone say like, do a 30 day challenge kind of thing. Like it takes time, but like doing 30 days of reels or TikTok or whatever it is, just getting comfortable with the app natively and creating that kind of content whether it's for yourself, for your brand, like you can go no wrong because it's not going anywhere. I mean, TikTok is just, and it really does like the getting comfortable with it. Like now when I sit down to like film something, I'm like, should I do a story? Should I do a reel? Like you feel confident enough where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit there and like, freak out over fumble around <laughs> yeah. throw my fucking phone and cry <laughs> all my mom yeah <laughs> all the emotions no but definitely reels and I think I mean like I mentioned the less curated content I mean in raw and authentic has been around for a while I know we had that stint where like people would do the really long captions and like draw emotion I don't oh, think it's boy. that so much yeah. it's just like doesn't have to be this perfect feed with all of these high-end photos. I always have clients that are like, we need this high-end production video or this high-end photo shoot. Don't get me wrong. I love pretty pictures as much as the next person, but you don't need that anymore. And people, honestly, they don't want it. They want something that they can relate to, whether it be a selfie video, whether it be, you know, an iPhone shot of, you know, how to use the product or a reels, you know, of how to use the product. So I think Focusing less on a curated feed, at least on Instagram. I mean, TikTok, you don't even have to worry about that. And, you know, other social platforms, it's not so much the case, but it's just really creating the authentic content that will connect you to the consumer to give your brand a little bit more personality. Because, I mean, larger brands have a personality, but some don't. Like, they're just like this blanket statement. Like, it's like the days of that are gone. Like, you can't be a brand without a personality anymore. So having, you know, don't worry so much about the pretty things. Again, influencer marketing has been huge over the past couple of years and it's just continuing to grow. I mean, I know I keep going back to TikTok, but it's something that you can't really ignore anymore. And just, I mean, what TikTok has done for brands. I mean, you look at Abercrombie, for example, I swear, I still haven't gotten a pair of those leather, vegan leather jeans that I don't think I ever will. (laughs) 
Like it is sold out every week. And so it's like, and it's TikTok and it's influencers and working. I know people were like skeptical about investing in influencer marketing and doing, but honestly, like put aside that budget. Like you need to be, you need to be working with influencers. No, you're right about the power of TikTok. I remember Clinique, they have this lipstick called mm-hmm. Black Honey. Yeah. I didn't get that either. You didn't? I Well, I had it when I was like 12. It was like one of the first <laughs> lipsticks I ever bought at a counter at a Macy's. And when I started seeing this, because like, I don't always find things through TikTok. Like right. I'm not, sometimes I'll read, you know, a roundup of like the right. best products of whatever this month. And like, I saw fucking Black Honey from Clinique on there. I'm like, how the fuck is this thing still relevant? And so then I, you know, listen to the whole story about TikTok, whatever. But it's like, to take a brand that's like, not targeted for Gen Z in yep. any respect. And I would never have thought would make a Clinique dramatic comeback. Or Abercrombie and yeah. the, like either of those. Yeah, I, would I would never, never see yeah. that. And so like you're dealing with billions of dollars at that point, right? Yeah. To be like reinvented and reframed for a generation. Like, fuck, like if that's not so powerful as a platform, that's just people <laughs> posting videos of how they like use products. I mean, that's fucking insane. Well, and like, yeah, I mean, especially with that black honey or even like Abercrombie, a lot of that wasn't even influencers. It was maybe like one influencer or honestly just an individual that like tried on the jeans and it just kind of <laughs> went viral from there. And it's just like, Which it's crazy. So it's awesome. I even think about like, it's not even like a brand that's like relevant to in the space we've worked in, but how long have you been on TikTok? Not very long. Okay. So Duolingo is like huge on TikTok. Really? You know what Duolingo is, right? Uh-uh. It's like, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't really know what Duolingo was either. It's like a Rosetta Stone, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. And so they're like, they have a mascot. It's like this bird. Dude, this bird is unhinged. The responses, what? wait, I want to see if I can find me. The comments that this bird makes on some of these TikToks, like whoever is handling their social should be like oh. paid the most in like the company. It's just interesting to see brands like that as well. Something not even like you would consider like a trendy brand. Like they're Rosetta Stone basically. Yeah. And they're just like killing it. Like, and no, and it's brand awareness. It's just so funny. I love to show you after. When Burger King comments on a Wendy's tweet or something like that shit, I'm like, yes. I'm like, first of all, the team should have free reign because they're professionals. They know what they're doing too. If, if you're not, what you were doing is not funny and relatable. Like no one gives a fuck about it. Like I don't care about your tweets about we have the number one sourced ingredient. Like, I don't care about that. But if you comment on your competitor's yeah. thing and you're like, oh, sucks to suck. Like that shit is funny. Well, and that probably got them the most sales. Yeah. Right? And oh, look at your yeah. shit. And I'll be like, oh, I like this brand. I like, you know what I mean? Like it's fucking funny. And it's like. And more brand, I mean like, and I think, I know Duolingo wasn't like the first brand to do that with like as more of like a professional brand, but you'll see like these sports brands. I love like, that. When the NFL and this shit does it. Well, like I, I saw even one about like some Someone had something about tampons, like Tampax commented on it. Like they are like whoever's handling the TikTok of brands nowadays, they're like on another so level. Good. Oh, I love that. Let's see. What other brands are killing it? Like I love this. Congrats, Rihanna. Yes, so happy for you. I wouldn't expect her to like announce that in any other way. <laughs> I wouldn't have even expected, like, to me, I mean, I don't. I'm talking like I know Rihanna. <laughs> to me, this is what Rihanna. Your close personal friend. <laughs> this is what she wants. To me, she just seems like such a solo oh, badass. Like I can only just imagine how badass her baby's gonna be. Like people like that, like they don't change for a baby. The baby changes right, for them. Exactly, you know exactly. So, like just baby's exactly. gonna be dope. But like you know, I think that's great. Rihanna has such a solid brand, and I think first of all, she's like one of the 
first black beauty brands. It's like yeah. big and diverse, like coming from the other side of the coin, right? Like a brand that is for black people, but a They've lot of always white diverse. Yeah. people use it, right? Yeah. When the opposite didn't happen a lot. Like a lot of the white brands that people say on all the time, like after this whole BLM thing happened, it was like, well, nobody black used your product because the fucking shades don't work. Right. None of the products work. Like doesn't work on our skin type, all those things. So I think Rihanna's just an icon. Well, and like on the, not on the other side, but like skims too. They're like skims. I just love soft. skims. I love skims. It's, it's like all I wore when I was pregnant. <laughs> it's so comfy. And like, yeah. even though that's an example, even though their feed perfectly curated. You will yeah. never see like an influencer photo on their feed, but their marketing on TikTok or in stories and their influencer marketing in general is so expansive. They're doing an incredible job with that and kudos to them. But they took that line. I mean, Kim did or, you know, however, the colors and everything, well, just the comfort. I'm, I'm a huge fan of skin. That was such a good, I mean, like if we're talking about a brand as an extension of a founder, that's like an authentic version of that, yeah. right? Like everything about Skims is Kim. Yeah. Neutrals, curated, like it's just, I am who I am, but a very high fashion. I'm not right. going to ever yeah. be like unkempt or whatever. No. Yeah. So when well, you can tell that, yeah, with the sleek tight, yeah. everything like it is. Yeah, you're right. It's so her and in the best way, like that is yeah, an authentic brand. Teeth, Skims is great. Through. I don't even know. I feel like I saw it a couple days ago. Did she just get like a $2 billion valuation? On yeah, brand 2. Or 2. Or, yeah, I think it was like two point something. Yeah. Fucking aside of me always hates like when rich people get richer because like nobody likes that. But that's probably just like a jealousy her thing. her brand is like. I, and I love her. I, I love her. I'm sorry. But like Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson is like everything that yeah. I needed in my life <laughs> right now. I love him. I just think she's so put together, but then she does these out of the fucking box right. things. And I don't know if it's just PR. I have no clue. I'm assuming that she's really Chris or something. <laughs> yeah. But whatever it is, like the marketability of her as a person is just iconic. Yeah. Like I can't think of anybody marketing themselves better than Kim is no. marketing herself and her companies. Yeah. And I love that for her. That's fucking great. Oh, you put Poosh and Into the Gloss on here. Two brands I love. So I think with Poosh and Into the Gloss as like, they're not your average, like, D to C like selling, you know, yeah. going in with like a goop kind of thing as well. But I just love the types. Like they actually do have a lot of static content. Their brands, it, it's a lot of photos. And I think what's cool with that leads into a lot of like mood board-esque vibes, like yeah. imagining a life you want. And it's just not, it's not like you never really see products in their content. It's just like really cool photos talking about you know, they're more article based. And so it's talking about something. And I think that they did a really good job curating. So if we want to go to the other side of the spectrum and talk about curating, like a really cool looking feed, I think they've done a great job. I, I love looking at it. I can, I can scroll through that all day long. Poosh is great. It's really on brand for Courtney and very much unlike a lot of the other brands. Yeah. I don't even know how they sit at the dinner table. Like if I was sitting around being like, I fucking hate beauty products with chemicals or whatever. And like Kylie sitting across right, from me. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm like attacking people, but I'm a part of the family. So yet. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, into the glass, like they're a big competitor of ours at Beauty Independent. I mean, there's no competitors in independent journalism. I think like that's all, it's actually a really positive industry, which I love, but into the glass. Yeah. It's amazing when you connect like a, product to a publication and you can see how like the yeah. publication expands outside of like that brand and becomes its own brand is dope but yeah in terms of mood boards like I think those are really good examples of like 
our content is always, it's designed to be on brand. Like we make our content to fit our brand, not the other way around. Exactly. Which I love. This has been so fun. I feel like you've given so much good information, Shannon. I love, how can brands and listeners support you? You know, I love working with all size brands. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if even if it's, you know, consultations, if it's freelancers looking to learn more, you know, I'm always welcome to talk and learn more about them and, and, would you ever do that? Would you ever do like a course type thing? Have you ever on, yes, that? I have, but I'm like, I don't even know what I would teach. I mean, like really? I know, yeah. I feel like you are someone that would be an expert in branding. I mean, you've worked on pretty much every side of the branding piece. Yeah. You've worked in marketing, you've worked in photography, you've worked in content creation, social media. You know, That's like I like lowball myself. I'm like, I don't know what she I can teach. She always does, you guys. Like, <laughs> she always has. No, I definitely like would love to do a course right now. It's more like, you know, agency focused, working yeah. with my clients. It's always hard but- to bandwidth. Like there's never enough time. No, yeah. But I love having conversations. Follow me on social media. Yeah, yeah, follow Shannon. She's like a terrific photographer. So her feed is really dope. And she does work on some really cool projects. And then follow her, her agency too. I will attach it in the show notes so that you guys can follow her. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you. It's been fun. (laughs) 